giving people that uh, 60 seconds to get going, get a couple viewers on here before we do the full intro. This is on YouTube today too, right? Yes, we are on YouTube as well as Facebook. The YouTubes. Hey, well, we got a few minutes. Let's start off and talk about the roundup presented by Springer Mountain Farms Chicken. Spring Mountain Farms Chicken is, uh, they're just amazing, as you know, Alex. Um, if you would like to join the flock, go to their website at springermountainfarms.com. Put your email address in and you will get weekly emails that have updates to farm updates, podcast updates, all kinds of recipes, just cool stuff. And uh, you should check them out. So, um, yeah, Spring Mountain Farms Chicken. Excited to have them sponsor this show. Ready, Alex? You gonna you gonna bring it today? <laughs> Not sure what I've packed it to bring, but I'm uh, I'm gonna bring it. We're gonna open my suitcase and see what's available. I'm excited to see what's in the suitcase. <laughs> yeah, uh, stuffed animals. That's about it. I actually removed my uh, un not unpacked suitcase from the background, so it didn't look like I didn't have much together. Nice. All right, you ready? Here we go. <sighs> Hello, Music City, and welcome to the Nashville Restaurant Radio Roundup. My name is Brandon Still, and we are joined, as always, with my co-host, Delia Joe Ramsey. She is the editor of Eater Nashville. Hello, how are you? <laughs> We're good. We are lucky and honored today to be joined by our guest host, the uh, chef and owner of Dallas and Jane in Murfreesboro. Looks like you are at Dallas and Jane in Murfreesboro, Mr. Alex Ballou. Hola, I am at Dallas and Jane. Nice. That's so beautiful. Your restaurant's so gorgeous, man. Oh, thank you. Well, we are excited to have you here. Um, we have kind of an interesting day today as it is 9 11. Um, we're recording this live on 9 10. But this will be uh, out tomorrow, 9-11. So we are doing an episode today that is going to be our Never Forget episode. And we're going to talk about that day, 9-11-2001, um, what we were doing during that day. We're going to kind of get in some stories. And later in the show, Chef Garrett Pittler, uh, who is the corporate chef for Old Red Restaurants. You may know him from back in the day at Lowe's Vanderbilt Plaza or City Winery. But he is the corporate chef at Old Red. He's going to come on as our local legend, and he's going to tell his story of what he was doing the morning of 9-11. And um, I think it should be pretty interesting. He was working at the Hard Rock Cafe in New York City that morning. So I'm excited to, to kind of hear about that and um, hear from you guys what you guys were doing that day. I'll tell my story, and then we're going to talk a little about what's happening in the restaurant scene. But first, I want to catch up with our guest host, Alex Ballou. How you doing, man? What's happening with you? You were on the show like at the beginning of the pandemic, and here we are. We're, we're, we have no idea where we are in this pandemic, but- Half a year later. Half a year later. We, we were discussing six months since the first COVID case in Middle Tennessee. It's bananas. It's, it's been the fastest, slowest six months. I just can't remember a time where I feel like I've entered a black hole. Right. And I just like I've got in the shower and my wife was like, hey, it's I'm going to start decorating for Halloween next week. I'm like, it's, it's spring break. What are you talking about? It's just the, it's the weirdest thing. <laughs> well, we are um, 
so yeah, it is that time. Delia, do you feel like this has been the shortest, longest six months of your life? Definitely. Like it took two months for me to stop typing March when I was writing things because I was like, I just felt like it was perpetually March. And then I'm like, well, it's August and now we're in September and it, it does, it feels so long and so short in a lifetime, like just the way that life has moved on, but in such a different way. I think it, it's in a similar vein to 9-11 in that this is a time in our lives that we'll look back nearly 20 years later and remember exactly where we were and who we were with and what we were doing. So I think that's why it's kind of <clears throat> kismet that we're talking about exactly that today. 100%. I mean, I think that it's going to be, um, this is definitely something that everybody will remember. It's never happened before. And I was doing some research on just kind of 9-11, the most deadly terror attack in the world history was on 9-11 on our soil. And um, just a just a crazy day. So vivid, the memory of uh, I remember when at, for the beginning of COVID, when I first learned that they closed March Madness, they said March Madness is canceled. And I was like, what? They said the NHL season is postponed, like no more games. And I, LeBron James was like, I'm not going to play in front of nobody. You know, he was making this defiant statement that if there's no crowd, I ain't playing. And now it's like, that's a, it's just it's interesting how comments age, you know? So true. Well, now there's cardboard cutouts of people. So, you know, not really playing in front of nobody. It's. I, it's a true story. So Alex, what have you been up to, man? What do you what, what have you been filling your time with? Oh man. Um, well, I took up I took up golf, which seemed like a great time to do that. Uh, hadn't played since I was 15, and I think I made up for the last 24 years in six months. Uh, but we've, you know, me and my partner, we've planned things. Things have changed. We were going to move the restaurant, and then things happen as they often do with pandemics and. Investors come and go, money comes and goes, options come and go. And so we've been, we've pivoted a lot. You know, we've, uh, I've started a, a healthy meal prep company uh, with two people. Um, Burt Conley and Savannah Benefield and I have started a new hospitality group where we're focusing on catering and meal prep. Uh, healthy, fresh, you know, we've got our macros labeled. So it's really trying to partner with uh, gyms and trainers and people that want that active, healthy lifestyle. So we do that twice a week, and then we're trying to grow the catering business back as well. Let's let's. I'm going to ask you real quick. If I was somebody who liked to work out, which I <laughs> clearly I'm not. Uh, <laughs> I, you share your activity with me on your on your watch. I know you exercise. I was going to say I, I we share activity on our watches. So I know you golf a lot. Uh, <laughs> you're, you're, I, don't, I don't log all of them because I'm too embarrassed. <laughs> Yeah, I do a lot of walking. I do a lot of hiking and a lot of walking. That is that is true. But if I was somebody who wanted to do meal prep from you, how would I go about, is it a subscription service? Do I sign up for it or do I just go online somewhere? Can you give yeah. our listeners a way to do this? Yeah, there, it's on, we're on Facebook, Instagram. We have a website. It's called Made South Meals, M-A-D-E. Um, it's really simple to order. It's just a very simple e-commerce site. You look at the pictures, you pick it. And then as of right now, pickup is on Tuesdays from five to six in Murfreesboro, Dallas and Jane. Or if you're in the Franklin area, there's uh, a few gyms that we partner with where we drop off on Tuesday mornings. But it's six ounces of protein. We're using sushi grade Verlasso salmon for our salmon. We're using filet for our steaks. I mean, everything is 
I mean, it's local, as local as possible. It's cooked fresh. Everything's made in-house. And it's between 10 and $13. Nice. It's a pretty good deal. Awesome. It's a fantastic deal. And you, since you were on the show, you announced your partnership with Made, you creating Made South Hospitality. Yep. Right? So, I mean, uh, just to give everybody an update on how... I mean, you said that a lot of things are kind of happening when <laughs> that happen, then don't happen, then happen. Um, what's what's next for you guys? So uh, the, the original plan was for Dallas and Jane to move to uh, Franklin. And then just throughout the pandemic and fine dining restaurants being hit pretty hard. And there was you know capacity restrictions. And uh, the, the idea of comfort food has really risen. To-go sales have really taken off. And so I just think that's something that's going to stick around for a little bit longer. And so we had a smash burger concept called Hello Darling. And we are rolling that out first. We actually have a meeting next week with a developer somewhere. I'm not telling anybody where because I've gotten in trouble before by spilling too many beans. And then it's really hard to put beans back in the bag. So, uh, here's a bean, not the whole bag of beans. So um, it's a smash burger concept. We've got boozy milkshakes, frozen old fashions, frozen gin and tonics. Uh, cheddar cheese, crinkle cut French fries. It's a, an ode to classic Americana, family oriented, holds up well to go. Turns out people do not enjoy U10 sea scallops in a styrofoam box after they travel 30 miles. <laughs> so this is what this is the way we're going. I love it. And then you also are doing cooking classes. I saw a picture. If you follow Alex on social media or Dallas and Jane Made South, all of these things, you should follow them all. So go right Instagram and Facebook and follow all of Alex's ventures because he posts pictures of hamburgers that would make you just want to stop whatever you're doing and like cl like climb through your phone to eat them. Um, as well as food that he's having people cook that is not even like stuff he's cooking. These are people that are in your cooking class that are cooking food that looks like a five-star chef cooked them. Yeah. Well, it was there was amazing. There was a little help on the plating side for me, but uh, you know, I've been asked so many times to teach a cooking class. And I mean, I taught culinary arts in high school for three years. So I never really had the time or the capacity to do it when the restaurant was fully open and my nights are kind of freed up right now. There's people that are seemingly interested. So on a whim, I just offered a cooking class to show, you know, salmon butchery, basic risotto, blanching and shocking of vegetables. And the class sold out. We all had it last night. Everybody had a great time. So we're going to do another one next Thursday and show people how to take apart a whole chicken and what to do with that chicken. And, you know, I mean, people don't understand that you could feed an entire family for $10 if you knew what to do. I mean, a whole chicken costs six or seven dollars because it's not been processed. So you get two breasts, two wings, two legs, two thighs, and then a carcass to make stock out of. It's, I think it's a fundamental tool that everybody should know how to use. I love it. Delia, I'm just talking over here. What do you got? You want to throw, you want to jump in on this conversation? Well, I think he's going to, he's going to keep his beans in as he said. So I was like, I'm going to, I want to ask questions about like what County is it in? Like <laughs> he's not, he's not going to tell us today, but I mean, I'm a big fan of Dallas and Jane. Like, Wish we were closer to the city because I could have gotten there more because I'm like weird about driving. Um, but, people, apparently. <laughs> but um, no, you're super talented. And I, I talked about your plating skills and like your photo skills. I was like, he's his plates, people see it, they'll drive for it and talk about it for days. And you're super talented and 
Thank you very I'm much. I'm excited to see what comes next for you. Um, I'm also not like a gym workout girl, but I probably should eat some of those like clean, solid meals in my future. <laughs> so if those come to Nashville, let me know too. <laughs> well, you do, you are an intermittent faster, correct? Is that, yes. that, that's your thing. So, yeah. I mean, that, that stuff works. I wake up and I'm eating in 10 minutes. I just can't. Really? Yeah, me too. I go that long. I, I, I'm lucky in that I'm not hungry usually until about noon. So I kind of did it accidentally. And I'm like, I should probably do this because I cram enough calories into the eight to nine hours that I do eat. I'm like, God knows I do not need breakfast. <laughs> you do consume a lot of food. It's pretty impressive. She, yeah, she's she's in every she's in every dare. You know, we got to talk about something. Speaking of consuming lots of food, you are doing ten days from today. You are doing a guest chef event. Mm -hmm. um, you are collaborating. Yeah. You are. I hope I'm not. Delia <laughs> is. You, you're gonna be there, Delia. Um, we have a. Uh, you're doing a chef collaboration with Christopher Smithing over at Mare Bowl in Brentwood. Tell me about that. Yeah, I mean, uh, well, luckily I know you, and so you kind of spearheaded that whole movement. But uh, I think we had originally planned on it being August, and then things happened as they do. And so we've got uh, four four courses, I believe. And um, tickets are seventy five dollars. Um, seventy. Seventy. You can add on a pairing, mm -hmm. uh, and it's we've got we've got some Dallas and Jane classics coming. Our roasted carrots will be there. The our Napa Caesar salad uh, with torn croutons. We're doing a really really cool uh, smoked and vide short rib with some Anson Mills polenta and the ricotta donuts that are stuffed with blackberry jam rolled in lavender sugar and an elderberry whipped cream with those. So it's a pretty, it's a pretty tasty menu. Uh, yeah. You know, and that is gonna, so go ahead, Delia. Skylar Bush and I were just talking about those carrots earlier. Cause I, he said you were doing the show and he said, I missed those carrots. I said, I think actually they're going to be at this dinner. So it's the same uh, carrots. Same carrots. He, said he likes the carrots and he's going to tell you hi. So. Yeah. He, he said on the, uh, he said on Instagram yesterday, dang, I'm gonna miss those carrots. <laughs> I never, I never knew that was the hardest thing to get people to try at this restaurant. Really? For over a year, we had to name it. I named it Carrot Salad, Bowl of Goodness. Just, just eat it. Like I tried so many different titles. <laughs> people were like, it's carrot. They were, they were thinking of the Chick Fil A shredded carrots right. and raisins. That's. Uh, well, I'm very, very excited about this, and you can get tickets to this event it is not sold out yet tickets just went on sale um and it is next sunday not this sunday next sunday at Maribel in brentwood in the um the seven thousand square foot mansion right there off of uh maryland way and uh you're gonna be around talking to people so that while, while there's going to be food that is going to be your menu, collaborating with Christopher Smithing, there is a wine pairing that goes with every single meal. You're going to be out talking to guests. You want to meet Alex. You want to try his food. Talk to Alex about his food. Tickets are on sale right now at Eventbrite. And I believe you can go to Mayor Bull's website. Uh, or the, I know you can go to their Facebook page and you can purchase your tickets. They are going fast. And there is a limited amount of tickets to buy. I think there's three different seatings. Like six fifteen, six forty-five, and maybe seven. I think there's three different seatings. Yeah, we're doing so, 20, 20 guests per seating, so we have a max of sixty people. 
Yeah. So I think that they're they're filling up really quickly. So go right now to Maribol.com or to Maribol's Facebook page and get your tickets to go see Alex Ballou live. <laughs> Maybe we'll talk about some smash burgers and what county they're coming to. <laughs> Can I say I come by myself? Yeah. <laughs> As uh, I, I've, I have a feeling. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm lean towards. I'm not. I'm not going to say anything. <laughs> He's looking at me like, "I'll kill you." Where are my beans? I've spilled my beans. <laughs> <laughs> hey, you know what? The, what you're doing over there with Hello, Darling, like the just everything that it's going to be. It looks absolutely amazing. It's going to be gangbusters. What you're going to do? I cannot wait to see it happen. That's Craig Evans, man. He designed, he did the branding for it, and he's he's just an awesome, awesome creative guy. He did a fantastic job. You know, we just, he picked our brains. It was almost one of those things where we didn't know what we wanted until we saw it, and then he started throwing things at us, and it was every, you know, we said old school soda shop and smash burgers and classic Americana and just the, the color palette that he picked out for us, the way it was designed, it just... It just feels like somewhere you want to be. It's got that brand that I would wear a T-shirt with that on it, and that I think branding goes a long way. Well, I you know we've got Garrett Pillar coming on here in a little while, and this is it is nine eleven, and so we've we've got this special episode today, our never forget episode. And while we've got us talking, typically at this time of the episode, we would pivot and talk about it's a damn word pivot. Um, <laughs> I would uh, talk about how our weeks were, kind of what's going on. It was a Labor Day week, so it was a shortened week this week. And I'm going to go into um, some just some different things about 9-11 that you may or may not know about. And then I'm going to ask you, Alex, to kind of go into what you were doing that day, what you were doing that morning and kind of tell your story because – I remember that day so vividly and I just, I know a lot of people out there have, and I just want to get into kind of some storytelling. So just real quick, some things about nine 11, uh, 2,753 people were killed. Uh, when American airlines flight 11 and United airlines flight 175 were intentionally crashed in the North and South towers, uh, as a result of the crashes, 343 of those people were New York city firefighters. 23 were New York City police officers and 37 were officers of the Port Authority. Victims range in ages of 85 to two years old. Approximately 75 to 80% of the victims were men. 184 people were killed when hijacked American Airlines Flight 77 crashed into the Pentagon in Washington and near Shanksville, Pennsylvania. 40 people, 40 passengers and crew members of United Flights 93 uh, died when the plane crashed into a field. All in all, 19 terrorists were killed in the um, in the plane crashes uh, on September 11 2001 at 846 a.m the first plane crashed into the towers uh, and this is kind of a just to talk about time frame and at 903 uh, exactly 15 16 17 minutes later uh, another plane struck the South Tower and at 937 the plane flew into the Pentagon and uh, at 10 o'clock a.m., 9.59, the South Tower of the World Trade Center collapsed in approximately 10 seconds. Uh, 10.03, the plane crashed in Shanksville, Pennsylvania. And at 10.28, the North Tower collapsed. Um, so just a little time frame. So from 8.46 a.m. when the first plane hit 
two hours later, less than two hours later, at 1028, both towers of the World Trade Center had collapsed. Um, just saying that, saying that out loud, all of those stats is eerie. It's eerie, and it brings back just a weird, cold feeling to me, like a scary feeling. We'll get into I'm going to tell my story here, too. Um, I wanted to go over this today because I don't want to – I think that this started a lot of political – drama these events and what unfolded afterwards and i don't want to talk about profiling and the racial aspect of it i want to talk today about remembering the 343 firemen that gave their lives and the police officers that gave their lives and the port authority and all of the people that worked in those buildings i want to remember them uh today by telling these stories that's where i want to keep this so um so alex what were you doing on september 11th 2001 how old were you it's 20. 20 years old. Just turned 20. I was a junior at MTSU. Uh, I was majoring in psychology. It was not going very well. Um, at the time, I was working at, uh, I believe I was working at this great steakhouse called Logan's. I'm not sure. Oh. Home of the peanut. And uh, I, my, my mom had a, had a good friend of hers that she had known for probably 20 or 30 years that had had a stroke. And he lived, uh, he had a house very close to Percy Priest Lake. And so three days a week, I took care of him. Uh, while I was in school, I was doing some house stuff for him, fixing up his yard, doing some landscaping. I'd cook his meals uh, and just make sure he got his medicine. And I took care of him. So the night before, pretty standard night, he would sleep. I was probably up until 11 doing whatever. And uh, I was, I, I remember what I was wearing. I was wearing a white Nashville uh, Music City run like marathon shirt uh, and then red Nike shorts. And my mom calls and she is frantic and she tells me to turn on the TV. So I do. And it didn't matter what channel I was watching because it was on every single channel. And when I turned it on, they were showing a replay of the first plane flying through or uh, they were showing the the built the building that was uh, had a hole in it, I guess. Yeah, on fire. Yeah, and um, and I said, "What what movie are we watching? What movie is this?" And she said, "This is not a movie. This is real life. This just happened in New York." And I, my brain just couldn't. I'd never seen anything like that before. It was. It didn't. I didn't, I didn't know how that could possibly be real. I mean, it was. It looked like something Hollywood would produce, like a Die Hard Five or something insane, you know. Like, and then while we were on the phone, just sitting in silence, then I saw the second plane fly through, and uh, I told the guy that I was taking care of that I had to go, and the whole day was just kind of spent in fear, not knowing what was going to happen next, if it was going to happen to us. Nashville's a big city, or is it coming? Is it coming here? I mean, it was just a it was a strange, there was so many emotions going on. There was this anger. There was this sense of like pride in your country. There was sadness from every, all the people that were dying. And there was uh, fear that was going to happen to you. I mean, it was just, it was a bit of an overhaul of emotions. You could really hard to get a grasp on the day. Yeah. I think that's the, uh, it was, I don't think you knew what I, I, it was one of those things for me. I didn't know what to feel. I didn't know what that emotion was. I was, I was anger. I knew I had, I, I was very mad and sad at the same time. 
right? Is that? Yeah, I don't. I think when you're experiencing all of those things, it's you you go in and out of emotions without even understanding it. You go from sadness to anger within a split second. You know, I mean, it's it's. I think your your body is your and your mind is trying to figure out what you're feeling, but you're feeling everything. So it's hard to say I'm feeling this one thing. Yeah, that was my three years of psychology majoring at MTSU coming out right there. <laughs> Very, very nice. Very nice. Delia, what about you? What was, uh, what was your kind of story? Um, I have a really sort of similar story to Alex. I think just in thinking now, going through what I've gone through since, I think that was maybe one of the first times I experienced grief in my life. And so now thinking back on how it happened, um, there are a lot of other emotions tied up in it because like so many of my memories, they involve my mom and, um, for people who don't know, I lost my mom last year and I was 19 years old and I was at the University of Montevallo in Alabama and it was my first college apartment. I was a sophomore there and I awakened to my mom calling me. I was my mom's only child. We talked multiple times a day and she called and said the similar to you. Hey, look, something just happened. Turn on the TV. And I turned on and also watched the second thing hit the tower. And I think for me, I was so kept in a bubble. Like I'd never really been allowed to see bad things happen or experience bad things or even see violent movies really. So me seeing this, I didn't even know how to be mad. I think I was just afraid. Like I think that was my first brush with fear and with grief and like understanding loss. And so now thinking back to it and understanding the loss, understanding how many families have to live each day with the memories like I have of my mom it just stirs up a lot for me and it makes me have so much compassion living through the, the loss that I've lived through since because at the time I couldn't really grasp it because I'd been so protected from it. So I just also spent, I was, I was a TV news major. So um, I spent the day in front of the TV just watching and probably consuming way too much information for my, my 19 year old brain, which was probably like 14 emotionally based on where I had been kept in this bubble. Um, but I spent just days watching, I think our class were canceled and I'm pretty sure my mom like, had me come home the next day so that she could see me in person. But you know, it's a, it's such a strange thing because I can still picture that room. I've lived in so many places and I can still picture the bedspread. My mom had like sewed this blue satin bedspread and she had stenciled quotes on the wall that I wanted stenciled. And I can still picture that room more than any other bedroom I've ever had because I think it's just such a vivid memory. I think these are the, the sorts of like life impacting things that don't leave you. Mm. It's amazing how vivid those little details are, like those those parts of the memory. Yeah. Um, for myself, I, um, you know, the night before was a. This happened on a Tuesday. Nine Eleven was a Tuesday, and that Monday night, um, I was with a buddy of mine, Joel, and we were at a buddy of ours' house named Roscoe, and he had got this property out in Franklin. It was out in Franklin, and um, my buddy. Roscoe did, and he had us out to watch Monday Night Football. Packers were playing. I remember watching Brett Favre, and uh, it was a, a late game, and we'd been drinking for hours and hours and hours, and we left uh, and started driving to Franklin. We were on Royal Oaks Boulevard in 96, and I I got there, and I was, like, seeing double, right? So I was driving. I was like, I don't need to be driving. Like, this is terrible. I don't know why I'm driving. We are out in the woods, and I thought I was fine, and then I got there, and I was like, I don't need to drive. So we stopped. There's like a hotel right there, Quality Inn or something. It's $24 to stay the night. And I was like, dude, we're crashing here. I'm not driving anymore. We're done. 
So we just stayed at this random hotel in Franklin, which is probably like six hundred dollars to stay there now. But um, for a best back then it was twenty four ninety nine to stay there. And we got up the next morning, and I had to go to. I worked at Amerigo, and I had to go to work. We both did. We had to go to work, and I got. We got in the car to drive to his parents' house to go uh, dry clean or to iron our clothes. And I got in the car, and it was like I guess like Y one hundred seven or whatever the station was then. But it was like, and with all of the things happening in New York, we just found out that a, a plane has hit the world transfer. I was like, what, what the hell? And I didn't have a cell phone. I mean, I didn't have Facebook. I didn't have it. There's no other way to like get information. It was like, you hear the radio. And so we sped to his parents' house. We turned the TV on. And I remember we were like eating and like trying to get all our stuff together. It was like nine o'clock in the morning. We work at like 1030. And, um, just seeing this, I was just like, oh my gosh, my mom is an international flight attendant. So she worked for Continental at the time, but as she was out of Newark, New Jersey, and one of the planes was out of there. So I'm kind of freaking out. So I, I get a hold of her. She wasn't flying. And I just, I remember just watching this on TV. And I remember saying, if this is a terrorist attack, I'm enlisting. I'm enlisting and I'm, I'm, I'm going to go fight these people. I ended up not doing that. But I remember that was a, my first instinct was, sign me up let's go like i'm i was so angry that somebody could do this on our soil and and then it was sad i don't know if it was, i don't know what that feeling was i don't know i can't like is that patriotism like just being so angry that somebody could do this to your country and i didn't know one of those people that got hurt but i felt like it was my family i felt like it was like there was no white, there was no black, there was no anybody. It, these people were Americans and they were attacked on our soil and I was I was freaking mad. I think that's the way that I I felt. Yeah. Um, I remember getting to work that day and it was just somber. It was solid. We went to Cozy Mel. Cozy Mel was a little Mexican restaurant next to Marigo in Brentwood. And we watched President Bush go and do his national kind of address that night. It was like five or six o'clock so it was like the sun was going down maybe six thirty, and he stood there and kind of said you know these people i don't know it's hard to even talk about it now just that address was so emotional and so powerful to me i remember sitting there with one of those fishbowl margaritas just just sitting there watching this in a whole restaurant full of people completely silent never seen it six thirty, completely silent in a full restaurant Every single person watching TV. Never seen that before in my life. Can you guys imagine what social media would have been like back then? Oh my gosh. Not even. The, a mess. I mean, the fear and panic that we would have had would have been 10 times yeah. what it was. Cause we're all, I mean, it's all feeding off of each other. Stirring okay. up our, some, some lack of knowledge. Right. And I'm afraid that the unification that we felt might not have been there if Facebook were as it is now because of the, the way everything is politicized and divided now. Like I remember, so when I was a child, I used to sit at the top of the swing set on the playground and sing, I'm proud to be American, the Lee Greenwood version. Like I was an only child, I had to entertain myself. And, yeah, <laughs> and, and I would the symbols. And I think like, I remember that moment feeling like this is the whole world. We're all singing. I'm proud to be an American at the top of the slide together. And we all are on the same team. And I haven't really felt that many times in my life or really since, because I think Facebook came in existence 
for me, like 2003, when you were in college and you had to have like a college login. For me, like I'm, I'm kind of glad social media didn't exist because we had this moment of let's unify and like yeah. be forced together because stuff now is so different. Yeah, it definitely felt like we were one country. I mean, all all struggling with the same thing, all fighting the same fight. Yeah. And you know, it's interesting because I felt that way on March 3rd. After the tornado. March 4th. After the tornado. Yeah, after the tornado. I felt a similar, not, I didn't feel the anger that I felt because <laughs> it wasn't. Of like somebody who did this to us, but I felt that unity. Yeah, camaraderie is like we're all in this together. There were, there were people from Murfreesboro packing up vans, chainsaws, driving to Nashville, and I mean, people here were calling it their community. We're thirty minutes away, but our community is hurting, and it, that's how it felt. It was like we are Tennesseans, we are Middle Tennesseans, we are not black, white, red, indigenous, nothing. It was just we are this let's go help our fellow man or woman how do you feel like 9-11 changed you alex like do you think that like after 9-11 you were the same person what do you think are some just different effects in your life that were because of 9-11 uh i mean i'm definitely on guard probably more than i and that's that plays into effect the fact that i'm a dad you know i've got a five and a three-year-old so i'm always paying attention to my surroundings and being observant. And uh, I, I will say from a flying and traveling perspective, I don't remember ever being scared before that to get on a plane. And I will say that I have, there's not been a time where I've gotten on a plane where I have not thought that would be a possibility. And hmm. it's a little, it's a little unnerving. I mean, I remember when we went to my choir in high school, went to London in 1995 and all of us two at a time got to go up to the cockpit as we were flying over uh the ocean it was such a cool thing to do that that opportunity is never happening again to anyone hey timmy you ever visit a turkish prison (laughs) that's all i can think about this movie airplane where he's like you like gladiator movies (laughs) i just I, i mean i would say I would just say I'm a little bit more aware of my surroundings and, and I'm also aware of the potential of what could happen. Yeah. I, you know, I, I think also, you know, people forget what air travel was like in 2000 in the year 2000, 19 pre 2000, when nine 11, 2001, people forgot what it was like. I mean, to take somebody to the airport, you could go to the airport, but then like if I flew somewhere, my mom would park the car and come in with me yeah, and walk down to the gate and then stand at the gate and wave yeah. to like the airplane. I didn't see them, but they would just like people would wave at the airplane. Yep. Any, anybody could just go down there. Uh, now you just drop people off. Like before, like you take me to the airport, you had to like, oh, I guess I'll park and go walk in with you. And it was a thing. It was a thing. It was a thing. Not anymore. That's that you ended. Walking me to my plane? Are we are we fighting? What's the problem? <laughs> Yeah, like it—that's one of the—that's one of the things. The air travel has just completely, completely changed. Yeah, TSA. I mean, that's no—that's no breeze either. I mean, you're taking off your belt, your shoes, your socks, your everything's got to be in separate bins. I mean, it's a process. Does it make you feel like we were so vulnerable for so many years? 
Like you didn't have to do any of that for so long. Like how, what really protection did we have? I mean, was it, is it so much better now that we have all of that stuff? We just yeah. feel, I mean, you should feel twice as safe now on an airplane, but I don't feel like we do. I, I think, you know, we thought then that we were protected though. Right. right. I mean, you never know, you never, when when did the first spyware for a computer come out? How after a few computers got hacked, probably or got viruses. So there's probably always going to be a workaround. This is a really depressing conversation. <laughs> well, this isn't going to be the most uplift. I was trying to positives, you know, like hey, you know, you can just yes, well, security, security is definitely heightened. I mean, I I feel safe when I'm there. But I always, it always runs through my mind. It's a possibility. Yeah. Well, I'm excited to have uh, Garrett Pittler come on here. He's going to be on about 15 minutes. He's going to come on. He's going to tell kind of his story. Um, but in the meantime, we could change the subject. I'm down to change the subject. And um, if you're out there and you're watching this live and you have any questions or any comments or anything you'd like to add, please feel free. To type them in, we will be able to see them. We will be able to respond to you. Um, if not, just type in a "Hey, what's up?" Let us know you're there, and uh, we'd love to um, holler at you guys uh, just to say hello, give you a little shout out. I'm sure, if you're listening to this on the uh, podcast, you're like, "Just stop, dude. Just keep talking." <laughs> I always feel that way when we do this. Do what? Don't ask me for questions. <laughs> when I was doing my my live uh, cooking with Corona. Uh, food shows at the beginning of quarantine, it, it always felt like I was talking to no one, right? And so there are people watching. It says like 300 people are watching this and you're like, I, I would love for you all to interact with me. Ask me a question. <laughs> yes, please do. Crickets. Say something. Crickets. And so we've had some pretty good interaction over the past several episodes. Uh, this is kind of a tough topic to talk about some crazy stuff going on here. But I tell you, we can break up the monotony. You know who we should break up the monotony with? Restaurant closures. No. <laughs> <laughs> okay. uh, we, did get, we did get a like, uh, Woody Brad. Uh, so I will say, um, if you are looking for a job right now, you can go to foeandbow.com. If you go to FOHNBO, F-O-H and B-O-H.com and you need a job, create a profile. It takes three minutes to create a profile and you'll be fast on your way to some of the best restaurants in the city, potentially hiring you for the position that you would like to have. If you are a restaurant and you would like to hire somebody, join up today. Sign up today. Go to FOHNBO.com. It takes three minutes to start your restaurant. You do not need a credit card. There is a freemium product. You can go in, see all the people, create, creative jobs. Yes. That's genius. It's, 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 they're, they're smart people over at Foambo. And you know, the cool thing. It is a great website. And the cool thing about it is they are locally owned and operated. This is not, you go on there and it looks like a professional website that you're going to see all over the country. It is only for Nashville and it's only for restaurant workers. If you're looking to get a restaurant job here in Nashville, and you're a restaurant professional and you're tired of all the, the posting and praying and going on indeed and hoping that somebody replies to your, you know, thing. hopefully that they show up to an interview. Check out phonebo.com. Right now, if you are out there and you're looking for a job, some places that you can 
apply to uh, the Joseph Hotel downtown. We had uh, Chef Tony and Chef Aaron on last week from Yolan. They are looking for people actively right now. Um, ML Rose is looking for a few great people, some line cooks. There's a new restaurant in East Nashville called Hawkers, H-A-W-K-E-R-S, Hawkers. Uh, they are on Foambo right now, and they are hiring people as we speak, as well as the Grand Hyatt. The Grand Hyatt set for opening at the end of the month. Is the end of this month or mid-next? I think it's the end of this month, isn't it? Delia? Yeah. Was it August? The, the Grand Hyatt? Uh, September, yes. Yes. The Grand Hyatt is opening. They're hiring for lots of positions right now. So if you go to phonebo.com, sign up, chances are you can work at one of those places or just go to those places directly and uh, put your application in. So that's a, it's a little jobs update. Um, Much better than have, what's that? Much better than Craigslist. <laughs> Much better than Craigslist. Yes. Um, what else do what do you have right now as far as uh, new restaurants opening anything fun happening besides the alex blue chef collaboration dinner at maribel on sure. september the 20th tickets available now on eventbrite um i mean there are i think some of the jobs touch on some of the coming soon items that we have um so that kind of covers two spots at once uh, there are a ton of fun pop-ups happening and a lot of people are doing cool stuff so i just i wrote i think an article today that was a roundup of events that are going on in September. And I put Alex's on there. Oh, wrong way. way. Alex's is on there. And there's eight other ones. Like there's the, a lot of Mexican pop-ups. There's a new, there's a bagel pop-up. Otaku is going to be at, I mean, Nikki's coal fired bagels are going to be at Otaku East this weekend. There's a uh, maize de la vida at Hawthorne this is this tonight? I'm losing track of time. I'm losing Tomorrow track. and Saturday. Tomorrow and Saturday. Oh, it, is, it is tonight because this is Friday. You're good. It is tonight. <laughs> um, there are just so many events. It's getting hard to keep track. I love I love seeing all these things happen. It's just it's overwhelming in my brain because I can't keep it all straight in my head. Manit's Quesaberia pop-up is here um, on the weekends also, as is Jeremy Barlow's Dance Loco Space. He's now calling it Insert Chef here. And he's doing different pop-ups from him and from other chefs. Which Alex, maybe you can get, get in on that and bring bring the carrot to 12 South. Yeah, that'd be awesome. So, I mean, a lot of fun stuff is happening, um, just like on a pop-up basis. Yeah, 404 Kitchen has started their staycation series with... Uh, AZ. Mm -hmm. Chef AZ. He retweeted me, and I got very excited about it. It's a big deal. It was after the tornado, and I had, like, my left... I was like, can I put that on my resume retweeted by Andrew Zimmer and after the tornado? <laughs> you can. That is, a, that is up to you. Um, otherwise, I mean, yeah, Hawkers, I'm excited about. Looks like it's happening. I'm going to go look at Elliston Place Soda Shop. I guess Jim Myers listened to us with Chris Chamberlain and heard me complaining that I didn't get anything yet. So I'm going to go see Elliston Place Soda Shop tomorrow. Um, That's awesome. Hmm. That place looks awesome. Yeah, it does. And I walked through, I think I talked about the Town Place Suites rooftop bar that's coming in between Germantown and downtown. It's called Zeppelin. Yes, you did. Well, I but, walked through that yesterday. Was it cool? Yeah, it's going to be awesome. It's like 7,500 square feet rooftop. That You can kind of see into the um, Nashville Sound Stadium from the top, and then you can also see some views of downtown. So. For a town place suites, like it's super nice, and I think they're gonna do some fun bar food. Um, Jeffrey Rose, 
who was at Liberty Common and Butchertown Hall is over, overseeing the food program there. So, so I can see that coming to play in probably October too. Where's the best place to go get like a really good drink right now? Okay, I'm so excited. Bars are back open. Yeah, I, we got the Fox. I've been to the Fox. I took uh, the Fox last weekend. And Old Glory, I always love These are like my classics. The Fox and Old Glory are my two kind of like. And Patterson House. I went to Patterson House. They're doing a happy hour at Patterson House now, which is unheard of. And they've got Baxter doing the food from Catbird's Eat, doing the food at Patterson House. So Ooh. those are probably my three like go to's for cocktails. But I will tell you, if you go to any of those places for cocktails, you should purchase something from Pennington Distilling Company. Pennington Distilling. <laughs> what a smooth segue. Oh, my gosh. You're really good at this. Until I ruined it. You should drink Pennington Distilling Company's Davidson uh, Davidson uh, Tennessee Sour Mash Whiskey. It is the first grain-to-glass sour mash Tennessee whiskey since Prohibition to be made in Nashville. They are doing amazing things over there. They are the they are the um, the first, like I said, the first distillery. They are in Nashville in the nations. They also produce Pickers Vodka, Walton's Vodka, and Tennessee Whisper Creek Tennessee Sipping Cream. Every person that I've had on the show, we've talked about Davidson Reserve, has said they love it. You got it? Oh, look at my boy. Look at this. And it's almost empty, too. So that is the Tennessee. You've got it right there at Dallas and Jane. Did you say it's your personal bottle? Yeah, I'm just, well, you know, a little day drinking's gone up, apparently. <laughs> hey, that was full two months ago. Yeah. Well, I can walk home in six minutes, so it's okay. It's always nice being back close to your uh, to your place of business. Once again, a curse. Hey, I just had a Pickers um, Martini at Deacon's the other night. They make How their, was it? They make their house Deacon's Martini with Pickers Vodka. All right, so there you go. So go to Deacon's. Deacon's a great place. A great meal there. Like I think it's one of the like underappreciated downtown spots. Like right now, parking is marked down, so you can park like a block away. Ten dollars, or you could lift or. I was gonna walk, but it was too hot. Um, but Deacon's is a great, great place to get a drink and food right now too. I think you yeah. got a bunch of pictures of that, of that of that right before your Nashville hot grilled cheese. <laughs> all, all of that looked delicious. Yeah. I've been eating yeah. a lot this week. I gained, I gained the quarantine fifteen from her Instagram. <laughs> it's not, yes, I just like it's kind of like looking at somebody that's always on vacation. You get a little jealous. You have to like unfollow for a little bit. And then, oh, man. <laughs> now I can take it again because, A, it's too far for me to drive all the time. And, you know, I don't know. I like, can tell that for people who are dieting. They're like, I have to unfollow you for a little while. Yeah. Like, okay. Have you been there? Have you been, either of y'all been to Catbird since Baxter's been there? Mm -hmm. that, yeah. donut, that donut. Have you been there? That, that yeah. donut is just so good. Yeah. I went for my birthday week and. Thoroughly, thoroughly enjoyed myself. Yeah, he's great. You know, I know you get that a lot, Delia. It's one of the funniest things about like your life, like that. I feel like people don't want to hear what I'm about to say at all. They're like, just, just shut the, the, no, don't, don't say it. But like, it's not easy to constantly go out and eat all that food and take all those like all the time. Like, it gets expensive. 
And you got to do this for like work. Like this is like, it's not like I used to go have hockey. I had hockey tickets for eight years, center ice club level hockey tickets. And I would go to all these games, but like, dude, you get to go to all these, like you're at hockey games all the time. I'm like, yeah, but I'm like, like I have to go to all these games. And it's, there's a point where like, I'd rather be home with my kids, but I'm, at a hockey game and it's like you don't want to complain that i have to go to hockey games i loved it i had a blast but still like it's not just easy to do all of that right i mean i feel i feel lucky in that i created essentially my blog and then my job out of something that i love doing so i feel kind of like i tricked the system in a little bit like i have an excuse now i can call this research and i can have that as a reason to go out but also like it does it's funny that I always feel like I'm working. Like, I'm like, well, I gotta take a picture because what if this is the best thing I've eaten this year and I wanna tell people about it? So sometimes I have to intentionally be like, I'm not taking a picture. Like, especially places that I've been before. I'm like, put the phone down, like enjoy. Cause I do constantly feel like I'm on, especially if somebody, you know, knows my job and they bring something and then you wanna take a picture cause they brought you the thing. And then it is hard to shut it off and it kind of, it can kill the enjoyment for a little while. And I think before COVID and before the tornado, I kind of hit this, almost like a burnout level where I was like, oh my God, everything's not good anymore. Like no one's consistent. And I got super just kind of burned out. And so in a way, like not not saying that either of these horrible things were good, but they made me appreciate it again. And well, I think, yeah. I mean, there, there's the side of like clocking out and just being present in the moment and enjoying something versus constantly thinking like, I need to take a picture or who's watching or who's doing like, which is a thing, you know, it is a thing. All right, so we are gonna get to our local legend, uh, which this week, typically we have our local legend as a restaurant who's been around for 10 plus years. And today our mobile fixture local legend is gonna be a person. Our person this week is gonna be Garrett Hitler. And um, Garrett is going to join us now. And I'm gonna talk a little bit. I'm going to talk a little bit real quick about Mobile Fixture. Um, if you, they are a restaurant equipment company, and if you need to outfit your restaurant with brand new equipment, I'm getting a little bit of a feedback. Hold on. All right, there we go. If I uh, if you need to outfit your restaurant with um, any equipment, if you're opening a new restaurant. They not only work to sell you the product, they will consult with you to help identify which products are right for you, which will help increase your flow and increase the ex the time which it takes to get your food out. Alex, how important is it to have a kitchen that is organized and ready to go based upon your menu when you open? Uh, man. Um, if, you're, if your flow, if your setup is bad, you will be working in purgatory all night long. I mean, you've got to, you like, there's actually science behind even designing a home kitchen. You need to have like this triangle, right? Like your oven, your, your refrigerator, and your sink all needs to be within a certain amount of feet for workflow. So it's even more so in a commercial kitchen. I mean, your guys need to be set up, needs to be able to get it to the window to be hot. If, if you don't have the right equipment to do the job, you're not going to want to do the job. Exactly. Uh, thank you for that testimonial right there. Um, so check out Mobile Fixture. Go to NashvilleRestaurantRadio.com and um, you can click the Sponsors tab. You'll find Mobile Fixture. Send an appointment. Go talk to them. They will help you get set up. Ben Whitlock's been on the show a couple of times. He's guest hosted the Roundup. 
fantastic, fantastic guy, very knowledgeable, will help you walk through all of the questions you potentially might have. So let's get to Mr. Uh, Garrett Pittler. Garrett is the executive corporate chef. Wait, corporate chef? Cor- corporate executive chef, yeah. Corporate executive chef for Old Red. Old Red is, a, is, a, is part of Ryman Hospitality, right? Correct, yes. So uh, part of Ryman Hospitality. So, uh, you know, I handle all of Old Red, which, you know, we have multiple locations. Uh, Tishomingo, Oklahoma being our first location. Uh, Nashville being our second, located on 3rd and Broad. Um, and then after that, we opened one in Gatlinburg. We now have a location open at uh, on I Drive in Icon Park in Orlando that opened uh, just a couple months ago. Um, and what Ryman involves with is we also have the Ryman Auditorium, uh, Cafe Lula, and uh, the Grand Old Opry as well. So, sorry about that. I, I no, no worries. How, so how's it going? How did the new location open in Orlando? Were you? I'm sure you were down there for that. So opening a location in a, in a pandemic was uh, definitely a little bit more interesting. Um, I actually wasn't on location. It's the first Old Red that I haven't been on location to open. And uh, it was a lot of uh, Zoom calls. It was a lot of Teams meetings. It was a lot of back and forth and... You know, we just didn't want to have people traveling. We didn't have an opening. Uh, normally, when we do an opening of that size, we have a team that goes in and will, you know, train the line cooks. We'll have a team that goes in and trains the server, team that goes in and trains hosts and things like that. And for this opening, uh, we did everything remotely. So it was a really interesting and strange way to open a restaurant, if you will. Um, you know, in my career, I've opened, you know, not only just with Old Red, but I've opened close to 75 plus restaurants in my career. Um, And, you know, that was one of the weirdest, strangest, most difficult ones I've I've done yet. So how do you how do you check their consistency on the menu? Well, it's. Right now, it's been a lot of back and forth. You know, there's been, like I said, it's been a lot of calls. It's been a lot of, you know, looking at, at reviews. You know, we we had we had planned on opening Orlando earlier than when it actually opened. We had actually planned on opening in May. So we had hired the chef team, like the executive chef down there. We had hired the executive sous chef and the the sous chefs so they had actually come to nashville we had trained them here so they they knew exactly what they were doing when they went down there but to but to not be on site and opening a restaurant was was definitely a strange experience uh you know and especially you know like in in dallas or, or alex i'm sure you can you can relate you know with with restaurants you know it's like you know it's like it's like it belongs to you whether you own it or you don't own it and to have one of your restaurants open and you're not down there for it it was it was a it was an interesting situation uh to say the least that's crazy it's just hard to not be here for a night much less to be there right. exactly so one of my favorite things 
Garrett, and because we've got people that listen to this from all over, and there are people that are coming to Nashville. And one of the questions that I get from people that don't live in Nashville is, what's the best honky tonk to go to? Where should I go? What should I do? And I loved about you because you're, you're, I remember going to American Culinary Federation meetings with you in 2005. You know, we're, we're sitting there just i've just i've known you for a really long time and you're one yeah. of the chefs you're a chef that i absolutely respect as knowing his shit and does everything the right way and then when you are opening a, a honky tonk it's like what what wait why do they need a chef because all those places do is pump out beer and shots but i, I want to let people know about old red because i used to tell people all the time if you want great food and you're downtown on broadway old red's a place to go so, yeah. So one of the things that you know, yeah, it's 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 a it's an interesting story, and um, you know, for those of you that know me, my background is mainly fine dining and you know four diamond, five diamond hotels, and that's that's where my background comes from. So I've I've spent the majority of my career. I would work for Lowe's Lowe's hotels. For eight years, I was with Omni Hotels for another two years. Uh, I was a regional chef, regional executive chef for City Winery for a number of years. I owned a, a French restaurant. Um, I did a lot of my training in France, so I, I've I've got a I've got an extensive background, culinary background that's mainly in, you know, smaller venues um, executing high-end events and things like that so yeah why would why would a guy like me um end up on broadway and and um really honestly it's just the fact of i wanted to do something different and i really looked at broadway as a as a challenge um and those of you who've who know me and know how i am uh, you put a challenge in front of me it's all right i'm you know i'll do this i'll complete it no matter what it takes whether it, if i'm going to lose an arm a finger you know uh i will get through this and I'll, I'll do something different so you know i i i looked at broadway and i said you know what would be really cool is is um you know i want to literally raise the bar on broadway if you catch the pun there oh I do. Uh, well done <laughs> so you know, I actually don't refer to us as a honky tonk. Um, I refer to us as a swanky tonk. Okay. So we serve swanky tonk food. And, you know, that's really where it came from is like, how can I, how can I give people an opportunity to, you know, you go down to Broadway and you want to have some drinks, you want to have fun, you want to watch some bands play, you want to do some fun stuff. But there's, I want to have something good to eat. And I want, you know, I want to go a place where, you know, there's some cool stuff. And, you know, so that's why we try to do different things. You know, it's like we, we, we make our own, our own tater tots and, uh, you know, people think we're nuts, you know, like how do you, how do you have a restaurant that has multiple levels and you're slinging out burgers and stuff like that, but you're doing handmade tots. Absolutely. We're, we're doing all of our own barbecue in house. We fry chicken to order. Um, because I look at it as a challenge every single time, you know, like, don't tell me you can't do it because I'll find a way to do it. So I love that. I've, I was, you know, I respected the heck out of that when I first, when we were first opening that restaurant, I was, I was working with you with um, 
my current the job I was in then, and it's like uh, I was just like, wow, they're changing the game of what could possibly happen down here. And I thought you were the perfect fit for you. you had just all of the right um, personality and everything to do it, and I think that's just amazing. Uh, I can't wait. I would love to have you on to do a full show. We'll tease that uh, later on in the future. We can talk about all of your past experiences. We can go into detail uh, about all of that. But today is 9-11. And when I talked to you, I said, hey, I'd love for you to come on and tell your 9-11 story, kind of what you were doing that day. You said you were in New York City that morning, and you worked at the Hard Rock Cafe. Yeah. Can, you, can you tell us that story? Yeah, absolutely. I um, uh, So... It was 2000, 2001. I was uh, I was twenty two years old. Uh, you know, I don't look a day over twenty two now. Still, so that's great. Um, you know, you guys better hope you all age as well as I did. Uh, I was twenty two <laughs> years old, and um, I worked for Hard Rock. So um, during that time, I was going to culinary school. Uh, I actually went to culinary school at a culinary school up, uh, in Baltimore. It's called Baltimore. International College of Culinary Arts. Um, it's actually not a school anymore. And I worked for Hard Rock Cafe. I worked at the Inner Harbor. Um, and I would occasionally, when there was opportunity, I had breaks from school, I would go to the other Hard Rocks and I would I would work because they Hard Rock was always busy uh, back in the late 90s, early 2000s. Like, it was a it was a banging place and, and there was an opportunity. And if I could get some overtime, I was like, Oh, I'll, I'll go to, I'll go to New York for a couple of days and do some overtime. So there's actually a train that goes from Baltimore to, to New York city. Um, you know, you can catch it downtown. So I had actually taken the train, um, two days earlier to go to New York and, uh, fill in for a line cook up there. And, uh, I had, already gotten my already gotten my place where I was staying I was staying with a couple of guys that actually worked at that that location I I got there I got in early uh, so I was doing a day shift and I usually pulled a double because it was it was it was a great opportunity when you come in you would come in at like seven o'clock in the morning you start prepping your station out and um, nine times out of ten You'd, there would be some guy that called out for dinner shifts. So I would just stay and I'd work straight through. And um, I remember we got in there this that morning and I was I was on uh, I was on the sandwich station, sandwich and salad station. Yeah, if you can believe that at one point I was basically a pantry cook. But uh, see, I know I get some chuckles out there. Um, but there we are. Gotta do it. I mean, you gotta start somewhere. It can't be great. Yeah, right. So, um, and I was I was working I was working salad and sandwich, um, and I was getting the station set up just like normal, uh, getting lettuce brought up there, getting getting different stuff, and um, we uh, and if anybody knows you know anything about the New York area, um, the Hard Rock in New York is actually on Broadway, so. It's about a 45 minute car ride from where, you know, we're talking about where, where, where we are on Broadway was that's, that's North that's up by Times Square. That's up by uh, Central Park, which is quite a ways away. It's a 30, 40 minute car ride to where actually the, 
um, the World Trade Center is. So that, I don't think a lot of people understand that too, because you think in New York City, you think everything's just oh, it's right here, right there, right no. there, right there, and it's and it's not. It's 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 a little bit of ways, but it's close enough that it was it was there was so so what basically happened was our manager at the time I was back there prepping and they came running in and um, they said. You're not gonna believe this shit, but um, a plane just flew into the, and flew into one of the one of the towers uh, downtown, and so we all thought he was joking. You know, like we thought he was joking. Walked out from in the kitchen. We walked up to the bar because we had TVs at the bar, and uh, we were sitting at the bar, and, and no, he wasn't joking, and we were literally watching it, um, literally watching the TV. Um, and watching the aftermath of this, and uh, then we literally watched the second second plane just fly into the into the tower. And I just remember, you know, turning ghost white, and uh, actually having fear. Uh, I can I can honestly say that I had fear. Uh, for one of the one of the first times and one of the only times in my life that I actually remember, I had fear. I was afraid. Um, so we actually we you know we somebody had contacted corporate. You know we were told we needed to close, needed to send everybody home. And by the time we got stuff to where we could leave, it was like chaos in the streets. Um, the roads were backed up. People were everywhere, you know, like if you took the subways, you couldn't, you, it, the, the trains weren't moving. Um, the smell, um, and you think from that far away, uh, you wouldn't smell jet fuel, but like you could smell jet fuel, just it permeated the air and, uh, I, I was just it was a it was a crazy 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 day. I actually was able. To, it took me from, I think we left the restaurant. It was probably about eleven. It was what what would no, we would normally have opened at lunchtime. I think it was eleven, and uh, it took me till about five o'clock to get back to the apartment where I was staying with with uh, the two guys that that I came up there to to. Uh, stay with while I was working and um, it was about five and uh, after that I I finally got a hold of my family uh, which was freaking out you know they they couldn't get a hold of me didn't know what was going on uh, and I ended up uh, I caught the next train the next available train I was actually there for another day before there was a train that went back to Baltimore um, and, and a little bit after that time was when I, when I, uh, actually moved back to Nashville. So, um, but I, I'll tell you the one thing that sticks out in my head and, and I, and it's been there for years. It's, it's still that smell, that smell of burning jet fuel. And it's, it's never gone away. I think it's burned into my sinuses. Um, so, yeah, I mean that that was that was my experience with nine eleven. So, um, and I was talking earlier. I said, you know, we don't two thousand and one. We didn't have there was no Facebook, 
there was no social media. There was not even, I don't think there was MySpace. Uh, but I mean, like there was, I didn't have a cell phone. Maybe I had a cell phone, but it wasn't charged that morning. And I wasn't like, I couldn't just like call people and do all of that stuff. I mean, yeah, it's just so weird about how different times are now. Like something like that happens now, this bomb and with not the bomb, the explosion in Beirut, like immediately everybody gets notifications. You're like, did you hear about this? It just happened. Uh, how we had to connect human to human, really. People had to call people and say, did you see this? Yeah. Now, yeah, no, it was absolutely like that. It, uh, I didn't, I didn't, did not have a cell phone. I, I distinctly remember I had a pager. Uh, most people probably don't even know what those are anymore, but I had a pager. Walking around that, the getting beeped. Yeah. My mom wouldn't let me have a pager. Oh, I had one because I was a drug dealer. <laughs> <laughs> well, all right, sharp, sharp gun. I was gonna say that's if you uh, if you ever do you, have you ever smelled that smell again or something like it? Does it take you back to that? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it, I've I've caught smells like that before. Like, there's been times, uh, like we were. One of the things that we have in the works is we were actually we're planning on uh, eventually opening up an old red in the in the BNA airport. And I had gone to meetings out there a couple of times. But where we go to the meetings is actually where they fuel the jets. Like there's a there's a building over there. And I, I don't know if some fuel leaked out or something. Normally, I don't smell anything. But it was recent. It was about a it was about a year ago when we were going to those meetings. And I. And I caught a whiff of it, and I just I, re, I I turned ghost white. I remember, like I I was as white as my beard, uh, uh, and uh, that smell, that smell, just I have a fear of just that smell of, of burning jet fuel. It's uh, you know I went. Um, my mom is an international flight attendant. She worked for Continental at the time, and. Um, it was October. It was like the beginning of October of 2001. And I was, my, my best friends had a sister and they're all over my house. And I said, um, we're just looking at the news and the, the whole down is New York. And my mom goes, why don't you guys go check it out? Why don't you guys just go there? And I said, I don't want to. She said, I've never been to New York. And I went, really? You want to go to New York? Because uh, we could fly for free. You know, it was a whole thing. And I was like, hey, I'll, I'll be this cool guy and take a girl to New York for a day. Yeah. And, uh, so she's like, you, we're not going to do that. And I said, no, five o'clock tomorrow, I'll pick you up. We'll go. And we went to New York for the day from Nashville. And we went, we did the plaza and we walked all over New York. And then we got to downtown and we got to ground zero. And this is like less than a month after 9-11. And um, all the chain, there's chain link fences that were put up all around ground zero. And there was just pictures, pictures and missing signs every single place you see we'd had kind of a fun morning you know we flew out we got on a train we kind of were walking around I mean, we got there we didn't speak for probably 30 to 40 minutes and we just kind of walked around the whole thing it was still smoking and there was a distinct smell i can't i don't think i remember the smell but there was i remember being so angry because there was people taking pictures like people like tourists taking pictures like in front of the chain link fence with all of the people, the missing signs. And I was like, I felt like it was like people stepping on graves. And I was, I got so angry. Like 
this isn't this isn't a photo op. You just stop. Like, and I was just there. And it was so. It was like so real, you know, because I'd been to the World Trade Center not six months before. I'd been in the towers, and being there with them gone, it was um, it was just insane. I, I can't describe the feeling, the emotion, the somber, kind of just that whole experience of being there. Um, I can't really put words to it. Just how yeah. how it felt. I'll I'll be honest with you. It's it's. Uh... It was it was weird, and, and I'll tell you what. Like, even though the country, if you remember at the time, the country basically shut down. It was very similar to you know what happened, you know, in March. Yeah, in March, you know, the country literally shut down. I mean, I remember there was no work, there was no, there was no, nobody was traveling, nobody was doing anything. Country absolutely shut down, and. Everybody was angry. Everybody was really angry at the time. Um, but the rest of the country, other than people that lived or were in New York, they were kind of removed. Or, or if you knew somebody that was on any of the flights, you you were kind of removed from the. And I think it's because of you know like the way society is now in comparison to the way it is it was then. I mean, you were removed from it. Like, I have a very interesting story because I was, I was in New York when when all this went down. Uh, so it, it feels more personal, you know. Like, it feels personal, and I don't think I don't think a lot of people really get how personal it was. I mean, I was angry afterwards, and the country was angry. But I I think that you know, if you were a New Yorker, or you were in New York at the time or you knew people that were on these flights or uh, I mean my my aunt was a flight attendant for American Airlines like she was scheduled for for to be on one of those flights and actually swapped with a friend of hers and a friend of hers you know is no longer with us because of the whole situation so it was mm. you're we're angry I mean just angry I just remember being angry I mean not much different than how I am now, but you know what I mean. I was angrier. I think the difference between then and now is that we weren't angry with each other. We were angry at something else. Yeah, it was definitely more of a united anger. I, I agree with you. Yeah. It's just hard to process, I think, that level of evil from being in the city. I think people that are there, like, like yourself, I think there has to be some level of PTSD that you experience being so close to it. And, and, and being wrapped in and everyone else who is united in that anger. Um, I think it's just something that, like right now, we're never going to forget and you never feel far away from it. Just like when Brandon first opened the show was talking about it, I got the same goosebumps and the same, like, almost like jolt of fear and anxiety. It, it brings me right back to it. It's something so interesting about these things that everyone can sort of understand on some level. Yeah, no, I absolutely agree with you. I mean, it's. I, I mean, it, and it's hard now, too, because um, I think, too, it's because I, I think everybody everybody's unsure of, you know, either you're outspoken and you're saying what you feel right now or or you're just kind of just being quiet because you don't want to offend anybody. And everybody's so worried about offending other people. 
that, you know, we can't have a conversation and disagree about something and still remain friends about it. And that's, and that's, that's an issue today that, that, that we have that definitely doesn't need to be a thing. And I think back then there was a very united, we're all angry at the same thing, you know, like, so it's okay that, you know, you're, you're left side of the row and it's okay that I'm right side of the road. We're all, we're all angry at the same thing. So we can, we can be together on this, you know? Um, and I think that's a lot of the difference between right now and, and uh, back then. Do you think social media has created that? We were talking sort of earlier about oh. it. Like, think because now we can all sit, sit here on Facebook and argue that that's made it worse or it's just. The Absolutely. Absolutely. I think, I think social media, I think the media in general is, is, is it's, you know, make the joke about, you know, like uh, it's good that I'm a chef cause I like to stir the pot. Um, but in this situation, oh man, I gotta use what's that? I'm gonna have to steal that one, yeah, right. Uh, um, but in this situation, really, I mean, it's it's the media, it's the social media, it's 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 everything out there that is literally just stirring the pot, like they're just they're egging it on, they're they're continuing it, you know, they're making angrier people angrier, you know, and and uh, making, you know, the right side be more right-sided and making the left side be more left-sided. And, and I think that, you know, the majority of people out there are just, you know, it's, I, I've literally gotten to a point where I, I don't even, I don't even really get on social media that much anymore. I mean, I get on there every once in a while, but I've really cut myself down. I, I, I've, I've literally stopped turning on the news, um, because I just don't want to hear it. Uh, I listened to death metal all the way to work today where I normally would have just listened to, uh, some form of news radio or something like that. So, well, I will tell you, you could start listening to Nashville restaurant radio on your way into work because, uh, that's something that is positive and we don't fall on political lines. We try not to, but you know, it's funny because everybody on social media, everybody has a microphone now previously the news people credentialed media people who have a code of ethics. Um, they're the people they who do. were reporting the news before. What's that? I said they do. They did. They did. They did. I mean, I mean, now everybody has a microphone. I mean, back then Jim Myers was going into restaurants. His face was blacked out and he would like on the, you couldn't know who he was. Um, but he was doing restaurant reviews and people were listening to that guy. And now everybody with a telephone, is a restaurant critic. There's no point to be a restaurant critic because, and, and the thing is, is that if you just put something, if you put, Hey, Garrett's a really nice guy. And I liked old red. Nobody gives a shit. But if you say I went to old red and it was terrible and I saw this and that, then people respond to you. And every time somebody responds to you, you get a hit, a hit of dopamine in your brain and go, somebody cares, somebody cares. And we continue to reward people on any sort of social media for doing things that are outlandish, that are going to make people respond to you. And if you're looking at that all the time, you're looking at the worst of society on a regular basis. And if that's your reality, I couldn't agree with you more. Stay off social media, stay off the news, live your own life, make your own opinions. But people are putting stuff out there because they're looking for you to respond. Oh, absolutely. When the problem is reality is, gonna feel boring compared yeah. to that 
Yeah. Always looking for dopamine to be fired off of your brain. Sitting at the DMV for two hours is not going to do it, but that's reality. I mean, you're going to have to go through that. Also, social media has removed the fear of getting punched in the face when you say something. <laughs> it's a yeah. true story. Well, yeah. Garrett, thank you. Uh, thank you so much for coming on today. Uh, you are a true local legend. And uh, we just, I, I, you know, coming on telling that story was amazing. And like I said, I would love to do a full interview with you where we just talk about all this stuff for an hour um, when I get back from our, our short break we're going to do from live interviews. But um, thanks for coming on today, man. Absolutely. Thanks for having me. It was nice right. talking to you guys. Absolutely, man. Well, be careful and have a great rest of the night. Take care, guys. Thank you, you buddy. All right. Wow. So do you know, I didn't get to ask him this, is Old Red open right now? He was at Old Red. Yeah. That, that, yeah. Was, the, that, was, the, that was the office yeah. at okay. Old Red. He was in the kitchen. What's, just, the, what's the rule for bars? They just have to Hold on a second. Hold on a second. Food? Garrett, are you still there? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Hey, is, is Old Red open right now? Absolutely. Yeah, we are, we are open. Are you operating? So, yeah. We are open. We are open uh, only for dinner Monday through Wednesday. Then uh, we're open lunch and dinner uh, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. And are so, you at capacity now, or what? We are at fifty percent capacity. Uh, we're allowed to be at fifty percent capacity, and we're allowed, but we're allowed to have full bands now. So we've got oh. bands back, um, which is great. Um, so. You know, we've 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 had some really nice, some awesome bands in here lately, uh, especially on the weekends. Um, and um, you know, we're still doing a limited menu, unfortunately. Um, but it's got most of our local fun stuff on there. Uh, tater tots are on there, obviously. Um, all of our crazy, obnoxious burgers, uh, the redneck nachos, which. If you've seen the redneck nachos, um, it's it's insane. It's literally a sheet tray, a sheet pan that has potato chips, um, Velveeta beer cheese, Rotel tomatoes, smoked chicken, um, uh, sour cream, and then avocado smashed jalapenos. It's 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 not it's it's drunk. It's it's sexy upscale drunk food is what it is. So is it coming a full size sheet tray option or just a quarter size sheet tray option? For you, if you come in, I'll make you a full sheet pan size one. Dude, Thursday, let's go. Thursday. It, would, it would probably take all three of us to finish it, but yeah, we could do that. Uh, I'm there. I'm there. Nacho challenge. She'll Nacho take a challenge. <laughs> hey, uh, Garrett, before you go. Um, Mr. Mark Rubin had commented. Uh, he wanted to say, "Good to see you, Garrett." It's good to be seen. <laughs> uh, Chef Mark, the man behind the curtain. Yes, well, um, Mark Rubin, longtime chef at um, that's Second Mark Rubin, Food Bank. Legend. I'm he not a legend. Mark Rubin is actually a, a Nashville legend when you talk about chefs. Yes, he is. He is a he's a treasure and a legend. One of my favorite people. So uh, he is a fan of the show, and it makes me so happy that he does watch. I want to let you know that he said hi. Yeah, that's awesome. 
I just wanted to know you got your status at Old Red as far as opening, so we right brought you back on to ask you about that. So thanks for giving us information. Absolutely, totally, yeah. <laughs> All right, dude. Megan. <laughs> See if he's still there in a minute. We're coming back to you. <laughs> he's just gonna watch the rest of the show in the in the green room. <laughs> Waiting. That was cool, man. I haven't caught that guy in a long time. I really like him. I was always one of my favorite places to go visit, to go see him when he was uh when I would go visit him as a sales rep, because mm-hmm. he's one of those people that and I always appreciated the hell out of no bullshit people. Uh, you'd go in somewhere and you never had to guess where your standing was. He would be the first one to tell you. He'd be the first one to say, you know, hey, what the hell's going on with this or what's going on with that? Or, you know, he would. He, I just love that honesty because they'd be like, oh, no, everything's good. Then you'd walk in the next day and you're like, why is there GFS boxes in here? Like, oh, I just tested some stuff out. And you're like, but you told me everything was good. And he's like, yeah, I mean, you suck. But I mean, you know, that's, I mean, there's this. He would always just tell you straight up. And that was one of my favorite things in the world. And it's a great quality to have in a chef. And he'd tell you when you, he would tell you when you sucked, which is good, you know, because then you could get better. You get better for learning. I got, I got skin like that. I'm, I'm, I would much rather you tell me when I sucked than let me guess. And then, you know, you just make a decision. I don't want to tell, I don't want to hurt his feelings. So we'll just switch companies and he'll figure it out. You know, when he comes back at all. Yeah, like, uh, I always love the straightforwardness. Were you? That's uh, uh, you didn't like your family to eat. How do you treat? What, what's your, what's your philosophy, Alex, on like reps like that? Who do you use? Uh, we use uh, we did use PFG. We had a had a bad relationship with them when they told me to pick through some moldy pearl onions and make it work. And I was I was like. <laughs> Uh, I don't think so. Yeah, uh, okay. but, but I mean, we use a lot of local farmers and producers. Uh, but when we're not using that, we used uh, Creation and Inland. Oh, very nice. Very nice. I just missed a call from uh, Mr. Monty Crawford. Maybe he's listening. <laughs> I mean, I, I had a great rep at Inland with, uh, with Matt Pelk, but he got furloughed because of the pandemic. And then Creation, the best thing about Creation for me was... Uh, no minimums on trucks and they would break a case. I mean, you could get, I mean, I could get three green beans if I wanted to. I mean, they, they would probably charge me 12 bucks a pound, but <laughs> I could get three, but I could get it. You know who one of my favorite reps in town is? I Jason have- Ellis with Super Source. Jason yeah. Ellis with Super Source. You're talking about no minimums. That is what they do. No minimums. No contracts. They don't want you to sign your life away. They want to earn the business every single week. I implore you, go to NashvilleRestaurantRadio.com. Click the Sponsors tab and find the Super Source section. Click on the link and you will get a free dishwasher for three months. Free lease on a dishwasher for three months. Uh, Get a hold of Jason Ellis because what he will do is he will come to your restaurant. He will look at what you have. He will identify whether or not that you're correctly calibrated. He'll look at what you're using, how much you're using, then he will identify if you are way overusing, whatever it might be, and he will let you know how much he can save you money and upgrade your equipment, which are two things that are very, very, very important right now in this age of COVID-19, saving you money and using the right equipment. Uh, He was telling me a story of a restaurant that he went into the other day that was sanitizing their tables with the wrong stuff. It's like, oh, this isn't a sanitizer? Like, nope, that's not a sanitizer. 
and he was able to come in and say, you need to be using this product and this product. And it's like, you know what, if you're, if you're a large dishwashing company and you're just mailing it in, like you need somebody who's going to come in and help identify that you're doing the right stuff is going to train your staff on real sanitation. So yeah. he will do that. He's a good dude. And um, they are working their ass off to make sure that um, you have got the best quality chemicals as well as dish machines, no minimums, no contracts. You should check them out. Um, again, visit our website, uh, click the sponsors tab and click on super source. All right. Is there a, uh, this is a special episode this week. So we are just, we've, we've been doing nine 11, never forget. And uh, we, as we're trying to come up with new things that are happening in the restaurant world. There's a lot of pop-ups, like we said. Um, thank you, Alex Ballou, for coming on the show today and just kind of hanging out with us. I've had so much fun with our guest host. What do you think, Dina? I, I love it. It gives us some fresh perspectives and fresh faces. It gets, gets to like hang out with people that we can't hang out with right now. So we're having a nice socially distanced weekly hang with good people. So I love it. Thanks for joining us. Absolutely. I had a blast. It's been fun. Yeah, this has been a blast. So, Alex, what else? What do you got? Give us any plugs you have as we get going. Anything you want to um, talk about? What do you got going on? Let our listeners know. Well, we've got a pop, we're doing a pop up uh, at Dallas and Jane, which the name of this place will probably change as the restaurant is not happening anymore. But uh, we're doing a pop up on Saturday that sold out within 24 hours. So, if you're interested in doing those things, uh, the first one we did was last month. It was seven courses and uh, pairings. This one is five courses with pairings optional. The ticket was, I think it was $75 for the food and then another 50 for the pairing. Uh, if you're interested in having meal prep, Made South Meals, got a QR code. You get 20% off your first order if you go to that website. Uh, if you need catering, we're doing that as well. Uh, Made South Catering. And then I know my old sous chef, uh, Edgar Victoria, is uh, Alabrije, Nashville, and he's got Mexican pop-ups all over the place. So go support him and every other restaurant in Nashville that needs your support right now. What's the best way for people to find out about what you guys are doing on your Instagram, Facebook? Yeah, I would say either one of those. Instagram is probably a little bit more frequently updated. Mm -hmm. uh, so I would go Insta Made South Meals, Made South Catering, or just me personally, Alex Ballou. I try to post as frequently as I can. And what are you doing in 10 days? You doing another type? What are you doing in 10 oh, days? Yes, in 10 days, I'll be at uh, Merbul in uh, Brentwood doing a four course chef series. Uh, it's gonna be awesome. You can get tickets on Eventbrite. If you go to Merbul's uh, Facebook page or their Instagram page, you can see it there. Click the link and go get tickets. Only 60 seats are available, and I think we've sold more. We I know we've sold more than 10 or 15, so they've only been on sale for a few days. Yeah, they're going fast. From what I understand, it's um, the seatings. There's three different seatings, but get in there. If you want to do a special dinner, meet Chef Alex Ballou and uh, try his food. Come on out to Mirabel next Sunday night. The carrots. The carrots. Carrots. Gotta have the carrots. And you know what? I will be there too. Oh. So um, I will be there too. Um, Dila, you wanna go? I'll go, yeah. You wanna double date? You wanna take uh, Lou? He can't come. He's got the kids that weekend. Oh. Well, you can come. Yeah. You can I can come. Come. 
All right, Delia's going to be there. I'll be there. I'll be come there. To the, come to the event. Alex will be there. Come by. Say hi to all of us. We'd love to see you, and um, that'll be happening. So thank you guys for showing up. Alex, thanks again for being on the show today. My pleasure. Thank Any you. kind of cool sign-off you got? Uh, I've never I've never been really in the cool department. So if I tried to come up with something right now, it would it, all my beans would be out again. Just, <laughs> no good. Uh, well, Great job. when we don't have to wear masks anymore, I'm gonna have to come up with a new one. But stay pretty, Music City, and remember you can still be pretty with a mask on. And I, as always, hope that you and yours are being safe. Love you guys. Bye. Bye. See y'all.